Good evening, everybody. My name is Sean Bianco, and welcome to At the Opera, where every Saturday night I bring you an opera cover to cover, followed by opera potpourri. Uh, first of all, thank you to everybody who wrote in about last week's opera, Simon Bocanegra. You really enjoyed that seldom heard Verdi opera, at least on this program. I've done it a few times, but what a great recording and what a great performance. Thank you for writing in about that. I uh, hope you're all doing well tonight, wherever you are, overseas, here in the States, at work, at home, in your car, going for a walk with your headphones on. Wherever you are, welcome to At the Opera, and I'm glad you're with me. Uh, tonight's feature opera, again, is one of those operas that I, when I programmed it, I'm like, why haven't I done this opera more often? And I could say that about a, about a thousand operas. Um, I get to as many operas as I can <laughs> in 52 shows a year. Tonight we're going to hear Johann Strauss Jr.'s The Gypsy Baron. Uh, I've, I love this piece. It's very different than um, A Night in Vienna or Deflator Mouse, the other uh, two uh, operas that we're familiar with by Johann Strauss Jr. But um, it's wonderful. It's, it's slightly darker in, in tone, a little more serious, the musical um, the musical content is a bit more uh, serious. Uh, and the singers in this recording, well, I think this is the best recording of Gypsy Baron ever made. We're going to be hearing a 1958 recording starring Elizabeth Schwarzkopf, Nikolai Geta, and Herman Pry. Need I say more? So, uh, very interesting story. It's uh, like most other operas, convoluted. Um, I got an email from somebody who said, even after I took the laborious and measured and careful explanation of Simón Bocanegra last week, they still had to look it up again online and read it again. <laughs> because, And so did I. Man, that, that opera last week is complicated. Uh, but the music, gorgeous. And, um, you know, some, and I know a lot of opera listeners, they consume their opera differently. Some people just like to sit and listen to it. They don't care what's being sung. They don't care what's being said. They just listen to the gorgeous music, and that's great. That's absolutely fine. I approve. Go forth and do that. If you have a bit more interest in what all this screaming's about, you know, I have listeners who read up on the libretto or they'll read up on the synopsis ahead of time, and that's great, too. I have some opera listeners who only like certain songs in operas and don't like the whole opera, and that's great too. And that's why I have opera potpourri. So however you consume your opera, enjoy it. Have it be part of your life. And for goodness sake, encourage other people to listen. Now, I'm not doing this for a self-serving sort of thing, but, I mean, let's face it. Opera is not exactly on front and center on the radar on television or the internet. It's not, it's become, I think, less culturally relevant than perhaps it was in the 1930s. In the 1930s, opera was the number one form of entertainment in the country. Yes, it was number one. More entertainment dollars in the 1930s was spent attending opera, listening to opera, producing opera, recording opera, than any other art form. It was it. It was the peak. It was the top. 
And then it began to have to compete with first radio and then recordings, of course, even before that, the record album, the shellac 78, and then radio, and then the cinema, and then eventually television. Now, opera did have a good foothold on TV for years. The Ed Sullivan Show, The Bell Telephone Hour, The Voice of Firestone, uh, Cavalcade of Stars, but regularly have on people like Lawrence Melchior and Robert Merrill and Richard Tucker and Mario Alonza and those kinds of things. But over time, the competition for people's attention, and now with the internet and social media and cell phones. So I'm here to keep the flame lit on the mantle of opera. I hope you enjoy it. I hear from you. You say you do. So thank you so much for listening to this program. That was, I suppose, a mini soapbox moment brought to you by yours truly, Sean Bianco, and I don't apologize for it. Okay, I approve this message. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Wow, I apologize for that cough. That That was so rude. Sorry about that. Let's get to the opera. Here we go. All right. I can hear you out there. Come on, Bianco. Let's get going. All right. All right. All right. All right. Okay. Tonight's feature opera, The Gypsy Baron, operated in three acts by Johann Strauss II, or Junior, as we often refer to him, made its premiere in Vienna October 24th, 1885, in German, of course. It was based upon a libretto, um, based upon a story called Safi by Moore Yokai. I hope I'm saying that correctly. And um, like I said earlier, The Gypsy Baron was a bit of a departure from Strauss's earlier, more comic and lighthearted works, displaying more serious tones, both musically and dramatically. Um, And I think, um, you know, it's worth hearing. It really is. It uh, has been popular, but not really in the opera house itself. Opera fans love it on recordings. Um, The overture is played from time to time. Um, It became an international success in 1885 when it premiered, enjoying immense popularity during the remainder of Strauss's life, and uh, who continued to alter and cut material from the original score um, before the premiere and after the premiere, Uh, and he just kind of kept massaging it and working it a little bit. There was a stage production in Zurich in 1990 from the original score under the guidance of a Strauss specialist. This music had not been heard since the original 1885 performance. So even newer recordings of it, they've been bringing back some of the previous versions of the opera. But... um, It is a wonderfully interesting opera, and I really hope uh, you enjoy it. Now, the overview of the story of this opera is basically this. Now, because when I read the synopsis to Act One, your eyes are going to roll up in your head, and you're going to, oh, no, not another one of these. Opera is so convoluted, I can barely get past the first sentence. So let me kind of give you the boiled-down version. The story is of a marriage of a landowner who just returned from exile, and a gypsy girl who was revealed as the daughter of a Turkish pasha, or a very wealthy and powerful person, 
and the rightful owner of a hidden treasure. This involves also a fortune-telling Romani queen, or Roma, as the gypsies in Romania are often referred to, a self-important mayor, a rascally commissioner, a military governor, a band of gypsies, and a troop of hussars. So, that's kind of the basis of it a bit. Let's see if we can untangle Act 1 a little bit. Now, a lot of the names in this opera are names that have not crossed my lips in a very long time. Um, They're of Romanian in nature. If I have any Romanian uh, listeners out there, um, and I don't say a name quite right, I apologize in advance. The distant scene is dominated by a derelict castle. In the foreground is a partly deserted village with only one reasonable reasonably prosperous-looking house, and a particularly disreputable hut. There lives an old gypsy woman named Japira. The boatman can be heard singing at their work. Otokar, son of Mirabella, who was governess of Arsena, daughter of a miserably uh, miserable old farmer named Zupan, is digging for treasure, which he fondly believes is to be buried somewhere around that area. This is his daily routine, and the more he looks without success, the worse his temper becomes. Japira looks out her window and makes fun of his efforts. She has been watching him for weeks and has a low opinion of his wasting time on this activity while the other gypsies are out doing an honest day's work. She tells him that if he continues with this fruitless quest, He will end up penniless and never marry, as he hopes, Arsena. Next character you're going to meet. Zandor Berinke, son of the late owner of the castle, arrives accompanied by uh, Count Carnero, commissioner, who is there to sort things out for himself. The commissioner suggests they get on with the job, and they call on Shapira as a witness. They send for Zupan. In the meantime, he tells Barinke of the beautiful Arsena. To pass time, Shapira tells their fortunes and reveals to Sandor that there is happiness and fortune in store for him. He will marry a faithful wife who will, in a dream, discover where the treasure is hidden. Carnero is also told that he will recover a treasure that he has lost. Interesting. Which leaves him slightly puzzled, as he cannot remember having ever had one. So, Zupan arrives and tells everyone that he is highly successful, that he is a highly successful pig breeder, adding that he lives for sausages and wine and has little time for art. He agrees to witness Barranque's claims, but warns him that he can be a contentious neighbor. Barranque suggests that he might marry Zupan's daughter, and Arsena is sent for. But it is Mirabella, the governess, who first appears. It seems that she is 
Carnero's long-lost wife. So part of Chapira's prediction is immediately realized. Carnero shows little sign of delight and rather joyless reunion that takes place. Mirabella says that she had believed her husband to have been killed in the Battle of Belgrade. The beautiful Arsena finally arrives, heavily veiled, but though the chorus hailed the bride-elect, she is not so cooperative. She is in love with Otakar. Now, Marinke makes a formal proposal, but Arsena tells him that she is descended from the aristocracy and can only marry someone of her noble birth. Oh, boy. Zupan and others tell Marinke that he must do something about this. He is left brooding, but hears a gypsy girl singing a song which praises the loyalty of the gypsies to their friends. It is Safi, daughter of Chipira, and Barinke is immediately attracted by her dark beauty and accepts an invitation to dine with her and Chipira. Unaware of the others watching, Okatar meets Arsena and they vow their eternal love for each other. He gives her a locket, at which point Barinke pretends to be most indignant. The gypsies return to their work, and Zipira introduces Barinke as their new local squire. They elect him chief of the gypsies, now affirmed as a gypsy baron. And that's where the name comes from. He calls on Zupan and asserts his noble right of the hand of Arsena. Zupan is not at all impressed. Safi welcomes Barinke back to his inheritance. Ever the opportunist, Barinke now says that he would like to marry Safi, who is as delighted as her gypsy friend. Zupan and Arsena are now rather indignant at this turn of events, and at the end of Act One, they threaten reprisals. So that's, if you were able to follow that, bravo. That's kind of what happened. So basically, again, it's one of these operas where there are love interests and convoluted ex- convoluted relationships and so-and-so is a long-lost such-and-such and someone has a bunch of money, but they're trying to get the girl. I mean, all these operas, most operas, have this convoluted relationship-based narrative with a backdrop of some sort of historical importance or locale, which makes it exotic, or, you know, names, which make it seem more interesting than perhaps it actually is. I mean, those of you who used to watch daytime soaps back when I was a kid, I used to watch them with my grandmother. You remember the shows, As the World Turns, and General Hospital, and Days of Our Lives, and all those kind of shows. This is like one of those shows. Like, it's like a soap opera, and that's why they were called that, by that name. So basically, it's like a daytime soap set in Romania with a bunch of people with exotic names. (laughs) So there you have it. Oh, my goodness. That's about all I can talk. Um, Safi is sung by Elizabeth Schwarzkopf. Sando Berinke is sung by Nikolai Geda. Graf Peter Hormene is sung by Hermann Prey. Kalman Zupan is sung by Eric Kuntz. Arsena is sung by Erika Kuth. And Japira is sung by Gertrude Burgestaller Schuster. Mirabella is sung by Monica Sinclair, and Count Carreno is sung by Willie Ferenc. The Philharmonia Orchestra and Chorus is conducted by Otto Ackerman, 
in this EMI 1958 recording, which was digitally remastered in 1988, 30 years later. The sound's pretty good, and I hope you enjoy it. Here is Act One of tonight's feature opera, The Gypsy Baron, by Johann Strauss, Jr. Good luck following it, but most of all, enjoy the music. Here we go. Enjoy.
Tag Mühe und Klag mit der Hacke und dem Spaten. Doch den Platz, wo der Schatz habe ich wieder nicht erraten. Ja, wieder nicht erraten. Verflucht, verflucht, verflucht. Vergebens haben sie gesucht, allwöchentlich. Wenn die Zigeuner sich weg auf den Markt begeben, geht man da hier vorbei am Bier, um dort den Schatz zu geben. Doch bin ich gut auf meiner Ruhe. Jeden Tag Mühe und Plag mit der Hacke und dem Spaten. Doch den Platz, wo der Schatz habe ich wieder nicht erraten. Ja, wieder nicht erraten. Ich lach euch aus, gebiet ihr sucht, oh, gebiet ihr sucht. Zum Teufel schon wieder die alte Hexe. Was sucht ihr da? Der rechtmäßige Besitzer dieses Grundes wird euch einmal zur Rechenschaft ziehen. Rechtmäßige Besitzer? <lacht> Der kommt nie wieder. Verschwind, du alte Hexe. Ach, schade um jeden Spatenstich. Aber diesen alten Nimmersatt, den reichen Zupan, den reizt der angebliche Schatz in der Zigeunerburg. Mich aber reizt der wirkliche Schatz, seine Tochter Arsena. Geist noch früh verweist, hat mich die ganze Welt durchreist. Tag wo war ich erst und wie bei einer Grafenacherie. Von Wandtisch bis zum Goldfassal ist mir das Tierreich untertan. Es schmeichelt mir die Klappenschlammen. Das Nasen streichelt mir die Wappen. Der Löwe kriecht von mir im Sand. Der Tiger frisst mir auf der Hand. Der Dub will nicht wieder Träne. Der Krokodil reißt nicht die Zähne. Der Elefant fängt in der Schüssel mit der Salat mit seinem Bissen. Ja, ja, das alles habe ich, das kann ich und noch mehr, wenn man's kann ungefähr, ist nicht schwer, ist nicht schwer. Ich 
wandern sie wie Japanesen und schwangiert nicht da gewesen. Im Karten küssen wir die Frost, im Volk schlagen wir Ich bin das Hauptmann von Bedeutung und alles ohne Vorbereitung. Ja, ja, Aber von nun an werde ich das Schlangen zu bändigen schöne Weiber zähmen. Tja, was sind denn das für Redensarten? Ich bin der königliche Kommissär und Obmannstellvertreter der geheimen Sittenkommission, Conte Carnero. Schon gut, schon gut. Sagt mir, wo liegen meine Güter? Dort, das alte Schloss, ein Dorf voller Zigeuner. Man erzählt auch von einem Schatz, den euer Vater dort verborgen. Schönes Besitztum. Und wem gehört dieses Kastell? dem reichen Schweinezüchter Schuppan, ein durchtriebener Kerl. Das einzig Gute an ihm soll seine schöne Tochter sein. Seine Tochter? Ich kenne sie nicht. Ich war selbst seit mehr als 20 Jahren nicht in dieser Gegend. Und nun könnten wir vielleicht an die Regulierung unserer Sache gehen. Äh, wir brauchen dazu zwei hier ansässige Zeugen. Äh, vielleicht hier. Wer wohnt in dieser Hütte? Eine alte Zigeinerin. Heraus mit ihr. Klopft an. Herr Gott, ein altes Weib. Wer klopft an meine Tür? Nur näher, Alte. So komm doch her. Schau den jungen Mann dir an. Wie? Wär's möglich? Dies Gesicht? Es ist ein Grundherr. Shandor Barinkai. So täuschte mich die Ahnung nicht. Ich wusste es ja, was sie nur spricht. Teufel, wer hat dir gesagt? Die Karten habe ich verfragt. Hör, Mutter, wer ist jener Mann? Zurück, das wichtige Mädchen
Zum Reichtum gratuliere ich euch. Nun prophezei auch mir so klein. Jawohl, jawohl. Verloren hast du einen Schatz. Der war so mager wie ein Spatz. Nicht lange wirst du findest was. So rot wie ein Hemd. Ein klein und das die Reise schwatt. Die Größe nicht das seine Hand. Du fühlst das Gold so schmal und schlank und lang wie Schreiben, ob ich mit Vergunst nicht einen blauen Dunst. Jo, das Schreiben und das Lesen ist nie mein Fach gewesen, denn schon von Kindesbeinen befasst ich mich mit Schweinen. Auch war ich nie ein Dichter, trotz der Wetter Parapli. Nur immer schreine Züchter, poetisch war ich nie. Ja, mein idealer Lebenszweck ist Borstenfick und Schweinespeck. Mein idealer Lebenszweck ist Borstenfick und Schweinespeck. Ist Borstenfick und Schweinespeck. Schweinemästen versteh ich mich am besten auf meinem ganzen Lager. Ist auch nicht eines Mager, 5000 Kern gesunde, ob ich hübsch Kugelrunde, soweit man sucht, fern und nah, man keiner schönere Sau. 
Der mächtigste Sauzüchter im Lande? Ich gratuliere. Sauzüchter, das hast du gesagt, du verfluchter Kerl. Und sag lieber Schweinefürst, das klingt einfacher und macht sich besser. Herr Barinkai wird als rechtmäßiger Eigentümer in den Besitz seiner Güter wieder eingeführt. Wie? Barinkai? Zurückgekehrt? Grüß dich Gott, gut, Nachbar, sehr erfreut. Hol dich dein Pfeffel. Da ihr nicht schreiben könnt, diktiert euren Namen. Ich heiße Galman Schupan. Liebe Nachbar, du sollst ja eine ganz hübsche Tochter haben. Ganz hübsch? Das ist ausgezeichnet. Du verfluchter Kerl. Meine Tochter ist sogar bildhübsch. Nun gut, ich heirate deine Tochter, wenn sie mir gefällt. Das ist ausgezeichnet. Ist er einmal mein Schwiegersohn, dann gibt es für mich keine Gefahr mehr. Ähm, lass gleich Bechtvater holen. Halt! Ich muss ja erst sehen. Oh, das ist ausgezeichnet, du verfluchter Kerl. Bali, geh herein, meine Tochter soll schönstes Gewand anziehen. Ja, Herr. Sag ihr, Freier ist da. Ja, Herr. Und Bratschachhufen soll aufgetragen werden unter freien Himmel. Es ist so brach bei uns. Lieber Freund, meine Tochter ist nicht nur reich, auch erzogen ist sie dir großartig, sag ich. <lacht> da kommt ihre Gouvernante. Ist es wahr, ein Freier? Na, den muss ich mir erst mal anschauen. Mir ist der Freier sehr angenehm und damit basta. Mein neuer Gutsnachbar ist es, den mir der königliche Kommissär heimgebracht hat. Gutsnachbar? Königlicher Kommissär? Diese Gestalt? Ludovico! Um Himmels Willen, diese Stimme! Mirabella! Mein Gatte! Meine Gemahlin! Schöne Bescherung. Die Zigeunerin hat wahr prophezeit. Das ist der Schatz, den ich verloren. Damals so mager wie ein Spatz und jetzt... Rund wie ein Zehneimerfoss. <lacht> Mirabella, mein Engel, hatten wir nicht auch Kinder? Ja, einen Sohn, da steht er. Ottokar, umarme deinen Vater. Vater? Vater! Mein Sohn! Nun, Nachbar Schupan, wie ist's mit deiner Tochter? Kommt sie oder kommt sie nicht? Das gnädige Freilein... Also jetzt wirst du Augen machen, Freunde. Noch 
hat sie von mir, das ist ausgezeichnet. Welch famose Erscheinung erlaubt, so tu ihm endlich den Gefallen und lass den dummen Schleier fallen. Erst muss der Brautschaukuchen dran und dann von dir erst, junger Mann. Gerade im Sitzes in den Vorteil ist es
Also du bist mit der Heirat einverstanden? Umarmte Kinder, meinen Segen kennt ihr haben, so oft ihr wollt. Halt, mein lieber Herr Barinkai, so einfach ist die Sache nicht. Ich höre euch immer nur Barinkai nennen. Wer meine Hand erringen will, der muss mindestens Baron sein. Früher wird nicht Hochzeit gemacht und dabei bleibt's. Kommt, Mirabella. Sie hat es gesagt, lieber Nachbar. Also schau zu, dass du Baron wirst. Ich kann doch nichts machen. Also auf Wiedersehen. Servus, lieber Freund. Da stehe ich allein, in der Heimat und doch in der Fremde.
Ich kenne dieses Lied, die Mutter sang es mir oft. Wer lehrte dich dieses Lied, schönes Kind? Die Erinnerung an vergangene Zeit, die Hoffnung auf eine schönere Zukunft. Das klingt so rätselhaft. Zeigst du mir den Weg in mein Schloss? Folgt mir, Herr, ich will euch führen. Aber horch, man kommt.
nicht gemeint. Wie ich es meine, zeig ich dir mein Sie 
That was Act One of tonight's feature opera, The Gypsy Baron by Johann Strauss, Jr. Very interesting music. Fun, lighthearted, with some somber moments here and there. Some of the music a little bit more interesting and perhaps more reflective or introspective. I love this opera. It's so interesting. Recording from 1958, we're hearing uh, in the cast, Elizabeth Schwarzkopf, Nikolai Geta and Hermann Pry, Erika Kuntz and Erika Kuth. Otto Ackerman conducting the Philharmonia Orchestra and Chorus on this EMI recording from the 1950s. My name is Sean Bianco, host of At the Opera. Hope you're enjoying the Gypsy Baron. Uh, I don't play it that often, haven't played it in a very long time. Um, I was looking in the archive and it's been quite a long time, so I apologize. But there's a lot of operas I always say that about. I only do 52 shows a year, and there are thousands of operas. I'm doing the best I can, really. <laughs> anyway, we'll have Act 2 of The Gypsy Baron up in just a little bit. Or, Zygodoner Baron. Z-I-G-E-U-N-E-R-B-A-R-O-N. Zygodoner Baron. Whether you say it in English or German or whatever language you say it in, it's a fun opera by Johann Strauss, Jr., who brought us Deflator Mouse, A Night in Vienna, Tales from the Vienna Woods, so many wonderful pieces of music he wrote, and this is one of them. And this was really popular during his lifetime. Uh, people loved it, and it was, it was performed over and over and over. And then it kind of just sort of vanished into the ether for a long time. There's been a few more recent performances here and there, but I'm glad I'm glad we're hearing it tonight on this EMI recording from 1958. From Sacramento State, this is Capital Public Radio, 88.9 KXPR-FM and HD Sacramento, 91.7 KXSR, Groveland, Sonora, 88.7 KXJS Sutter, and 90.9 KXJZ HD2, Sacramento, Eight o'clock hour of At the Opera with yours truly was made possible by Malcolm McHenry, who invites you to join him in supporting Cap Radio's commitment to opera on the air and in the community by making your contribution today. And this hour, the nine o'clock hour of At the Opera, again with yours truly, was made possible by John and Lois Crow. Thank you, John and Lois who invite you to join them in supporting Cap Radio's commitment to opera on the air and in the community by making your contribution today. Next week's feature opera, one of the greats, Verdi's Nabucco, one of his first big successes um, with some fen- a phenomenal cast, Matteo Maninguera and uh, Renata Scotto. Uh, I love this recording. I love this recording I'm playing for you next week because... When I was a kid, or young opera, budding opera fam, I had a cassette tape of opera highlights sung by Renata Scotto. And on there was an excerpt from Nabucco, as she sang the role of Abigaile. Even though I would have to say that the role of Abigaile was a not a good fit for her voice, she sang, she sang the pants off it. You, I can't wait for you to hear it. She really takes it. Takes it to the limit. Ricardo Muti, actually, as well next week on the podium. Great recording. Verdi's Nabucco next week here on At the Opera. If you have a request or have an opera you want to hear or a singer or an aria, 
please send me something, espianco66 at yahoo.com, or you can go to capradio.org slash at the opera and click on the little link on the right-hand side that says contact the host, and it'll send me a message through the website. Many of you already do this, and that's great. Keep doing it. I appreciate it. All right, Act 2, The Castle at Dawn the Following Day. Shapira reveals to Marinke that Zafi has dreamed of the location of the treasure. They start to search and find it hidden as she has dreamed under a a nearby rock. As they depart, the gypsies arise to start their day's work. Zupan appears and tells them that his cart has been stuck in the mud. He orders the gypsies to come help him. They resent his order and steal his watch and his money. Oh, dear. His cries for help bring Carnero, Mirabella, Oktar, and Arsena onto the scene, followed by Berinke, now dressed as a gypsy baron, and Safi. Berinke introduces Safi as his wife, but Carnero is not satisfied that all the legal requirements have been met. They tell him the stars have guided them and the birds have witnessed their vows. And this is not quite what the law demands, and Mirabella and Zupan adopt a highly moral tone about the whole affair. At this point, Oktar discovers a few of the gold coins that Berinke has left behind and is highly excited. Berinke soon disillusions him by telling him that the treasure has already been found. At this moment, a recruiting party arrives under the command of Berinke's old friend, Count Peter. He is looking for recruits to fight in the war against Spain. Now, Zupan and Oktar are, um, are pre-engaged into the, the army. They're, they're, they're engaged in the army. And Carnero calls on Peter to give his official support to the view that Berenke and Safi's marriage is illegal. But Harmone supports Berenke. Further complications, however, are revealed. Oh dear, I can't take any more. Zipra, Chapira, excuse me, tells them that Safi is not really her daughter, but the child of the last Pasha of Hungary, a real princess. Marinke is once more defeated and deflated, and realizing that he cannot marry anyone of such exalted rank. Though Safi says that she will always love him, Marinke decides that he too will join the hussars and the men march away, leaving behind three broken-hearted ladies in this act two of tonight's feature opera, very confusing opera, The Gypsy Baron by Johann Strauss Jr., Elizabeth Schwarzkopf, Nikolai Geta, Herman Pry, Erika Kunz, Erika Kuth, and Shapira is sung by Gertrude Berstaller-Schuster. Mirabella is also uh, sung by Monica Sinclair. The Count is sung by Willy Ferenc, and Oktar is sung by Erica Pollock. The Philharmonia Orchestra and Chorus, conducted by Otto Ackerman in this 1958 EMI recording. Here is Act Two of tonight's feature opera, Johann Strauss Jr.'s The Gypsy Baron. Good luck following it. I'm trying. I really am. (laughs) But the music's great. Here we go. Act Two. Enjoy.
Free! 
große Schweineherr Zuban ist mit seinem Wagen im Moras stecken geblieben. Da gibt's Geld zu stehlen. Gut, da kommt er ja. Platz gemacht, Zigeiner, wenn ich komm. Geh weg, verfluchter Kerl. Meine Wagen sind stecken geblieben, ihr müsst sie herausreißen. Also schade, dass er hinkommt. Es sind auch Damen im Wagen und viel Gepäck, aber gestohlen wird hier nichts. Ja, ja Herr. Halt, Bali, du bleibst da. Sag eigentlich, wo ist dein Herr? Unser Herr? Das ist gar kein Herr. Will es schon seit gestern sein und hat uns bis heute noch nicht einmal geschlagen. Ja, du, du mehr Kerl. Lass ihn holen, verstanden. Und deine Herrin soll auch kommen, aber augenblicklich. Ach, gnädiger Herr, gnädiger Herr, Zigeiner haben alles gestohlen, auch Geldsackel. Das ist ja ausgezeichnet, Treiber, Mörder, Diebe. Was gibt's denn, was ist denn los? Und Zigeiner haben mir meine Geldsäcke gestohlen. Ich werde diesen übermütigen Zigeunerpascha und seine leichtfertige Dirne einsperren lassen. Ach, da kommen Sie ja. Ah, das ist großartiger Besuch, Herr Kommissär. Der Schwiegervater und meine schöne Braut. Ach, Herr Barinkai scheinen in vorzüglicher Laune. Ihr habt trotz meines Verbotes diese Zigeunerdirne nicht von euch gewiesen. Wählt eure Worte besser, Herr. Sie ist mein Weib. Wer hat euch denn getraut? Wer war Zeuge dabei?
eine nette Trauungsbehörde. Vater, ein Goldstück. Und hier noch eines. Und hier in der Mauerspalte noch viel mehr. Und das ist ja ausgezeichnet. Überall habe ich gesucht, nur da nicht. Da hätten wir die langgesuchte Kriegskasse. Husaren kommen, der alte Graf Homonei an der Spitze. Herr, die Hand, es muss ja sein, lass ein Liebchen fahren. Trink mit uns vom Werbewein, komm zu den Husaren. Hier geht schon gut, Herr, den Hut, zieh mit uns erscharen. Das ein Säbelwunder tut, kann er eins alles erfahren. Kein Feigling ist, der trinkt von Werbewein und greift zur Waffe. Ellen! Was gibt's, Herr Graf? Warum schreit der Kerl so? Soeben wurde einer angeworben. Oh, das ist ausgezeichnet. Jetzt muss der arme Kerl zum Militär? Da, stoßt an und trinkt. Hm. Alter Wein, ausgezeichnet. Noch ein Schluckerl, bitteschön. Ah, so viel ihr wollt. Das ist Werbebrauch. Wer aber einmal von diesem Wein getrunken hat, der muss mit. Das ist, das ist ausgezeichnet. Jetzt muss der Ottokar und ich zum Militär. Herr Graf, eine wichtige Amtshandlung. Diesen Schatz hat Herr Baringkai hier gefunden. Ich gratuliere. Da ich mein armes Vaterland in Not weiß, Herr Graf, nehmen Sie alles. Baringkai, ihr seid ein echter Patriot. Gratuliere. Herr Baringkai hat sich gegen die behördliche Autorität aufgelehnt. Er hat trotz meiner Einsprache diese Zigeunerdirne heimgeführt. Hm, sauberes Madel. 
Hätte ich auch getan. Gratuliere. Tja, wenn Exzellenz zu allem gratulieren, wo soll da die behördliche Autorität hinkommen? Na, ich selbst unterbreite in Wien einen alleruntertänigsten Bericht und damit basta. Umflossen, steh ich jetzt da wie ein Pudel begossen. Bedenkt doch, seht, die Autorität, ihr versteht, flöten geht. Und alles diesen Pack zu Liebe, diese Streutche, Dirnen, Schurken, Diebe, die
that was Act Two of tonight's feature opera, The Gypsy Baron by Johann Strauss Jr. We're hearing a recording from 1958 starring Elizabeth Schwarzkopf, Nikolai Geder, Hermann Prey, Eric Kunz, and Erika Kuth. Otto Ackerman, the conductor of the Philharmonia Orchestra and Chorus from EMI Recording of 1958. Great music, great stuff. Gypsy Baron, what a great opera, or operetta, excuse me. Those of you who don't know the difference, the difference between an opera and an operetta is an operetta has spoken dialogue. So technically, Bizet's Carmen, at least in the original version, is an operetta, not an opera because there's actual spoken dialogue in, in the opera. So that's the difference. An opera has no spoken dialogue, but an operetta does. The operetta, the art form, the lighthearted, not the ring cycle. <laughs> Different feeling, wonderful music, lighthearted and beautiful. And the singers in this recording were used in numerous recordings in the 1950s and 60s. Schwarzkopf, Geta, Prey, Kunz, Kurth, all these great singers back in those days. They, Annalisa Rothenberger, who was also a fantastic singer, um, were wonderful in their day. And speaking of wonderful in their day, um, one of the voices in this recording that I just love how he sings. Hermann Prey, the German baritone. I have a piece in Opera Potpourri tonight, a live performance of Hermann Prey, later in his career, but fantastic. And we're going to hear that a little bit later. And I might even talk a little bit about him. I always thought, I've always, I've talked about Nikolai Geta and Schwarzkopf many, many times, but I don't think I've ever talked about Hermann Prey. Just one of those voices, the minute he opens his mouth, you know exactly who it is. I mean, within one note. Just a great, great voice. And a neat guy, from what I've read about him. From Sacramento State, this is Capital Public Radio, 88.9 KXPR-FM in HD Sacramento, 91.7 KXSR, Groveland, Sonora, 88.7 KXJS, Sutter, and 90.9 KXJZ, HD2, Sacramento. This hour of At the Opera with yours truly made possible by Joel Karish, who invites you to join him in supporting Cap Radio's commitment to opera on the air and in the community by making your contribution today. And thank you, Joel, for your support. Next week on At the Opera, I'll be doing Giuseppe Verdi's Nabucco, starring Renata Scotto and Matteo Maninguera. Two great voices. The last time I did Nabucco, I did the um, Tito Gobi Elena Soliotis recording from 1966. So I wanted, which is a great recording, which probably many of you prefer. But I wanted to hear, I want you to hear this other more modern recording that I, I came across with Maninguera and Scotto. It is quite fine. And Ricardo Muti's conducting on it is electric and fantastic. So next week you'll be in good hands with Verdi's Nabucco. Well, this morning, wasn't that a treat? My goodness, hearing Cheryl Milnes at the, in the absolute prime of his career as Macbeth from that Met Archive performance. 
I just loved the opera this morning from the Met. Really did. I hope you did too. Oh, just great. And Cheryl Milne's just still, he's in his mid-80s and he's doing interviews and he once joked during a recent interview, uh, he goes, I've, I've arrived at that receiving awards portion of my career. <laughs> so, but you know what? Cheryl, you deserve every award there is. What a career, what a voice, what a nice guy. Um, I've seen him in interviews and he just seems like a, such a neat, interesting, kind person. And um, I've never met Cheryl Milnes, but uh, I just certainly have admired his his career and his contribution to the opera world. And his Macbeth was just, oh, my, every hair on my arm stood on end all through the performance. So I hope you enjoyed this morning's broadcast of Verdi's Macbeth in the archives of the Met, of which I will take a moment. I'm, I have to say this. Here I go. I'm going to only put one foot on my soapbox. Okay, just half. Okay, half a foot. I'm going to put half a foot on my soapbox. The Metropolitan Opera um, has an incredible recorded legacy starting as far back as 1938 in their archives and that have been meticulously curated and preserved and recorded and stored and transferred and maintained. <clears throat> but I, I find it interesting for as of the thousands and thousands of performances they must have in their library. How few of them they ever release. I mean, really. You know, during the Met season in recent years, they've started to play, you know, um, the gems, the big-name casts, the Bergonzi, Merrill, uh, Leontine Price, Aida, and, you know, all the, the, the big, the big, the big guns, you know, the A-casts. But there were so many great performances. I wish, I wish they weren't so stingy with their archive. In fact, as far as I'm concerned, if the Metropolitan Opera ever gets in financial straits and they can only broadcast for, say, half a season, they've already shrunk the size of the broadcast season already. That's happened in the last several years. Then they could dip into that amazing well of archive recordings much, much deeper than they have. And so if anyone out there is listening to my voice in New York, is a fan of the Met, goes to the Met, knows anybody on the Met board, um, I've spoken to the librarian, the music librarian at the Met a few times in my life, asking them about particular performances, or, and they know who I am, and, I've, and I've, um, I'm not a stranger to the archivist there at the Met. Um, and, um, and I pose this same question to, to the gentleman that I spoke with um, at the Metropolitan Opera, and um, he wasn't really at liberty to go into any detail, but one of the things I can tell you he did say, he said it's very complicated. And he paused, and he said, it's just, it's very, very complicated how particular performances are decided upon and released. And it's not an, it's not an easy lift for the Met just to pick any old recording. There's a lot of stuff they have to consider and people who were in it and contracts and all sorts of things. So, and I, and I, of course, once he said that, I was, of course it is. Of course it's, it's completely complicated. Of course we couldn't just listen to these great performances for what they were worth and, and enjoy them. Of course we have just 
as humans often do, overcomplicate everything um, of any great importance. So we'll see. In the years ahead, perhaps the Met will release more recordings than they have. But I will enjoy the ones they have released. And this is not a plate of sour grapes I'm talking about. I'm thankful for what they've done, and I'm grateful for what the Metropolitan Opera does. But that's one little area I, I just really kind of bugs me. It's like, what is taking you guys so long to release more of these recordings? And even if you don't broadcast them, release them, release them for, um, for public consumption. We'll buy them. <laughs> you want to make some extra money, Metropolitan Opera? Sell, you know, publish more of your recordings. We will spend money on them. I will. Thousands of people will all over the world. You know, but we'll pay, we'll buy them. Anyway, that's it. Oh, man. You know what I did? I started with half a foot, and then my whole foot went on the, on the soapbox, and then I ended up with both feet on the soap. I am so sorry. Oh, you guys put up with me. I don't know how you do that. All right. All right. Here we go. <laughs> Excuse me. Oh, there's some smoke. I can actually smell smoke in the studio. Our air circulation in the building is interesting. If it's smoky outside or somebody's burning a leaf pile or something, you can actually smell it in the building. I don't know why that is. Thanks, guys. All right. <laughs> Act three. Let's wrap this up. Act three is very short. Everyone is celebrating after a victorious battle. Zupan appears and tells of his own somewhat inglorious exploits in Spain. Harmone, Marinke, Octar reveal that they are heroes of battle and have been made into genuine noblemen. There is now no objection to the marriage of Safi and Marinke or Octar or Arsena. And in this opera, it is truly, 100%, no doubt, a happy ending. And everyone lived happily ever after. Yes. Everyone ends up with the person they belong with. Everyone's a hero. Everyone's happy. Everyone's having a party. There's food and wine and drink, and it's a great ending, and it's a great operetta by Johann Strauss, Jr., the, the, the Gypsy Baron recorded in 1958 with a fabulous cast. Let's hear the fourth, uh, third, fourth? No, third and final act of this opera. It's very short. The Gypsy Baron by Johann Strauss, Jr. Here we go. Enjoy.
Scholle, Arsena Gomidiarmedenes Heldenvaters. Mein lieber Vater. Mein Sohn Ottokar. Und hier, mein Freund Barinke, also Ginder, lasst euch erzählen. Von des Strand und mit starker Hand, wie die Feinde Mores gelehrt, Sammermen sind wir heimgekehrt, reich mit Ruhm beschwert, Momen mit der Post des Mitnehmens wehr. So ein Krieg ist ein Graus, Gott sei Dank, dass er aus, dass gesund ich den Heimweg noch fand. Nicht ein Dieb schreckte mich, nicht ein Schuss, nicht ein Stich. Mein Tand ist ein bisher verbrannt. Ein Geschwind, grüßt dich Gott, Freund, grüßt dich Gott, alle bin ich wieder schön benannt. Ja, ja! Gebracht, es kracht, schreit mich ein Spanier an. Schießt du, hör zu, ich bück mich, wie ich kann. Sein Gewehr ist leer, ich reiß ihm's aus der Hand. Hau genau im Mitten auseinander. Herr Dautz, der Kautz, da liegt der Meiserstab. Ich finde geschwind das Kleingeld, das er hat. Oho, Herr Kamerad, um alles wäre schade. Ich such ihn durch bis auf die letzte Nacht. So macht jetzt wohl ein Dutzend Mal mein Feind, da ist mir ganz egal. Fremder Held, grüß dich Gott, Uhr und Geld, grüß dich Gott. Wenn man fällt, ist das alles leerer dann. Ja, ja! Holla, nix da, sag ich drei Schritt vom Leib. Doch zirbt und wirbt und sagt der liebe sie, da zeig ich gleich mich wieder als Genie. In du, per du, war ich mit ihr galant. Sie gibt verliebt mir ihre weiße Hand. Drauf steckt ein Diamant, den sanft ich ihr entwand. Hier trag ich ihn als teures Liebespand. So macht ich schlau, ich überall, mein Feind, doch ist mir ganz egal. Das Mal blieb ich hart wie Stahl, kein Soldat, der gleich mir es tut. Sapperment, die Weiber Blut, dank der Sonne Blut, hat der flüssige Lava im Blut. Manche Dund, ja zwar, Nudel sauber war, doch mein Herz hat versteht's Widerstand. Und mit jeder blieb ich als Herzenstieb, nur so ganz oberfremdlich bekannt. Schmatz, grüß dich Gott, lieber Schatz, grüß dich Gott. Keinen Platz hat die Liebe im Feindesland. Nein, nein, Schatz, grüß dich Gott, lieber Schatz, grüß dich Gott. Keinen Platz hat die Liebe im Feindesland. Nein,
Pflicht getan, nun soll der Lohn auch folgen. Ihr Barinkai habt für König und Vaterland dreifach größte Opfer gebracht. Dreifach soll es euch vergolten werden. Dieses Dokument erkennt euch alle Schätze zu, die ihr gefunden. Dies euer Adelsbrief, durch welchen euch die Baronie verliehen wird. Mein Freund, Barinkai Baron? Oh, das ist ausgezeichnet, du verfluchter Kerl. Nun wohlan, ich halte um eure Tochter an. Barinke, Baron, Schwiegersohn. <lacht> Nicht für mich, dein Schwiegersohn steht hier, der Ottokar. Oh, das ist ausgezeichnet, der Ottokar, oh, du verfluchter Kerl. Und ihr bleibt ledig? <lacht> sounded like everyone did, in fact, live happily ever after. That was Act 3 of tonight's feature opera, The Gypsy Baron by Johann Strauss, Jr., recording from 1958 on EMI. Elizabeth Schwarzkopf, Nikolai Geta, Hermann Prey, Erika Kunst, and Erika Kuth, Otto Ackerman, the conductor of the Philharmonia Orchestra and Chorus. Great recording, Gypsy Baron. I promise I will not wait so long next time to play it for you. My name is Sean Bianco. This program is called At the Opera. That was the feature opera, and now we're on to the part of the show we call Opera Potpourri. Uh, I'm going to start you off with some potpourri, you know, pretty standard stuff I do for my shows. I have a couple of requests in this next set. And then in a little bit, we're going to do a, a little um, a special on Herman Pry. I'm going to play, I'm going to re- tell you a little bit about him. I'm going to play a couple excerpts um, of him singing some other material. Um so and I, and I promise I will do that probably in the next oh I don't know next little bit so stay up you know put on a cup of tea kick back enjoy the show we go to midnight you know you can always sleep in tomorrow where where are you, what are you doing tomorrow where you, where you have to go okay a lot of you just said church I understand um but hey it's opera it's worth it I'm worth it the show is worth it stay up listen to the program Okay, never mind. I shouldn't talk. During a normal weeknight, I can barely make it to nine. <laughs> so go to bed whenever you want. And you can always listen to this show 
after the fact, online at capradio.org slash at the opera, on the archive file that I have posted. By the end of tonight, it'll be up. You can listen to the rest of the show tomorrow. Maybe make a note at what time you checked out and uh, go to bed and write it down. And then you can go online and you can drag the little cursor over to that time and just pick up where the show where you left off. You know, how nice. Is, that is one of the things technology is so darn wonderful, is being able to preserve and archive music and radio. Awesome. All right. Well, like I said, uh, in this next set, we're going to hear Morel Lefrani, and we're going to hear Pavarotti, and we're going to hear just a bunch of great singers. Uh, and in this next set, there is uh, uh, the aria, Kele Mi Creda, from La Fanchula, and also the aria Sono di Doretta from La Rondine by Puccini, two pieces that were actually requested tonight. So this is called Opera Potpourri. We'll have the Herman Pry uh, little special thing up in a little bit. Not quite yet, but um, sit back and enjoy some Opera Potpourri. Here it comes. Here it is. Here it is. It's going to go now. Enjoy.
Trono vicino al sole, un trono. 
And there's a nice set of opera potpourri for your Saturday evening. Let's recap what we just heard. That was Luciano Pavarotti singing Questa Aquella from Verdi's Rigoletto with the London Symphony Orchestra, Richard Bonning conducting. Before that was the Brindinci, Libiamo from La Traviata by Verdi. Joan Sutherland was our Violetta. Carlo Bergonzi was Alfredo. With soloist, chorus, and orchestra, Maggio Musicale Florentino, John Pritchard was the conductor. Before that, with the same orchestra and conductor, the prelude from Act One of La Traviata. Before that, we heard Celesta Aida, the Act One aria from Verdi's Aida, with Luciano Pavarotti as our Radames, with uh, the orchestra of Vienna, Leona Maggiera, the conductor. And to begin that set by request, Un Bel Di, One Fine Day, from Madame Butterfly by Puccini, Morella Freni, our Butterfly, the Vienna Philharmonic Orchestra, Herbert Moncarion, the conductor. My name is Sean Bianco, and this is At the Opera. Thank you so much for tuning in tonight. This is the part of the program we call Opera Potpourri. So I hope you're enjoying the potpourri so far. Now, now that we have dispensed with a little bit of potpourri, Herman Pry, born in July 1929. He died in July of 1998 at the age of 69. German lyric baritone. He was equally at home in Lieder, or German songs, operatic and concert repertoire. His American debut was November 1952 with the Philadelphia Orchestra under Eugene Ormandy. Uh, and his American recital debut took place in 1956 in Carnegie Hall. Um, he had a fantastic career, like I said, born in Berlin. He was scheduled to be drafted when World War II ended, so he was spared uh, that experience in his life. And uh, he was known as Tamino in the Magic Flute. He also sang Early Verdi, sang Wolfram at Bayreuth, Richard Strauss, Guillermo, Don Giovanni, had a great repertory, sang with all the great singers, was great friends with Fritz Wunderlich. The two of those, were, they were buddies, inseparable. In fact, uh, Hermann Prey was present on the evening when Fritz Wunderlich died um, and fell down a flight of stairs, actually. It was in the, early in the morning when it happened, and Prey actually happened to be there. Very sad. But he sang on German television, he was very popular with German audiences. Um, he uh, probably limited his Wagner to the soft, high baritone roles. Um, and um, he had a very clear, polished tone, darker and deeper sounding perhaps than his slightly older contemporary Dietrich Fischer Dieskau, but equally refined and equally capable of soaring into the tenor range without the smallest suggestion of vocal effort. He had a lot of recordings he made, tons of recordings, and he was also a teacher and a writer. Hermann Pry uh, died in Bavaria of a heart attack on July 22, 1998, at the age of 69. Hermann Pry. Now, one of the pieces that he sang a lot in his concerts was a piece of music by Franz Schubert called the Erl King, or the Erlkönig. Erlkönig is a poem by Johann Wolfgang von Goethe, which depicts, which depicts the death of a child assailed by a supernatural being, or the Erl King, a king of the fairies. It was originally written 
by Goethe as part of a larger piece written in 1782. Earl King has been called Goethe's most famous ballad, and it was, of course, set to music by Schubert. In the, in the poem, an anxious young boy is being carried at night by his father on horseback to where he is not spelled out. German hoof, rather broad meaning of yard or courtyard or farm. The opening line tells that the time is unusually late and the weather unusually inclement for travel. As it becomes apparent that the boy is delirious, a possibility is that the father is rushing him to medical aid. As the poem unfolds, the son claims to see and hear the Erlkönig, the Earl King. His father claims not to see or hear the creature, and he attempts to comfort the son, asserting natural explanations for what he sees. It's a wisp of fog, rustling leaves, shimmering willows. The Earl King attempts to lure the child into joining him, promising him amusement, rich clothes, and the attentions of his daughters. Finally, the Earl King declares that he will take the child by force. The boy shrieks that he has been attacked, spurring the father to ride faster and faster. Upon reaching the destination to find help for his son, the father realizes that his son is dead. The vision of the Earl King takes his son into death. So this poem, very incredible poem, written by Goethe, was sung live by Hermann Prey in 1986 in Vienna. Here is a live performance of Franz Schubert's Earl King, sung by German baritone Hermann Prey. This is Opera Potpourri. Enjoy. Spiel, spiel ich mit dir, manch Mut 
Blumen sie hinan im Strand. Meine Mutter hat mal ein Spülen gewandt. Mein Vater, mein Vater, und hörst du nicht, was er den König mir leise verspricht. Sei ruhig, bleib ruhig, mein Kind, in dürren Blättern fläuse der Wind. Jetzt, feiner Knabe, du mit mir gehen, meine Töchter sollen dich warten schön. Meine Töchter führen die nächtlichen Reihen, sie wiegen und tanzen und singen dich ein. Sie wiegen und tanzen und singen dich ein. Mein Vater, mein Vater, wo ziehst du dich an? Herr König, Töchter, am düsteren Mein Sohn, ich seh es genau, erscheinen die alten Weiden so grau. Ich liebe dich, mich reizt deine schöne Gestalt, und bist du nicht willig, so braucht ich dir Mut. Mein Vater, mein Vater, jetzt hast du dich Seinen Armen das Kind war tot. Wow. Oh, my goodness. Oh, that was fantastic. The Earl King, Earl Koenig by Franz Schubert, as sung by Hermann Prey. That was a live performance in um, Vienna from 1986. The Vienna Philharmonic. Oh, that was great. What a great voice. What a... The conveying of emotion in that poem the father trying to comfort the son and saying it's, it's nothing you're you're just you're just you're seeing a wisp of fog it's 
you're fine. And the son can see the fairy king coming closer and closer to him, which, of course, is an apparition of death. And the father's trying to comfort the son, and they're racing on a horse. You can hear it. He's racing through a horrible storm on horseback, holding on to his son, trying to get his son to help. And they get there, and the son's gone. Oh, that was great. That's, you know, and even though technically that, you know, that wasn't opera, the world of, of leader, the world of, of the German art song, so rich with so many great singers who have um, graced us over the many decades with their artistry. Dietrich Fischer Dieskau, Victoria de Los Angeles, two of the great recitalists, Hermann Prey, Nikolai Gera, Fritz Wunderlich, Elisabeth Schwarzkopf. Recitalists singing in an evening gown or a tuxedo with your pianist for an audience. Now there, there is um, that which you just heard was an orchestral accompaniment arrangement from the original piano version. Yeah, Schubert did not orchestrate the Erlkönig for orchestra. It was only written for piano, and the orchestration was done later by somebody. I'm not sure who did it, but it was great. Oh, that was fantastic. <clears throat> One of the other great roles that Hermann Prey was known for was the role of Figaro in The Barber of Seville. The first recording I ever had of the Barber of Seville was with Hermann Prey. Uh, it was a, um, oh, I'm trying to think now. Who was it? It was a Claudio Abado Deutsche Grammophon recording with Teresa Berganza, Luigi Alva, and Hermann Prey. And I don't have it anymore. And I'm just, I'm now inspired. I'm going to go right now and get it because I had it on vinyl and I think I must have given it to somebody years ago when I was liquidating my vinyl collection out of necessity and uh, it's a great great recording I think one of the probably the greatest Figaro uh, Barber Seville recordings of all time let's hear a live performance of Herman Prey singing the Largo Afuck Totem from Act One of the Barber of Seville by Rossini Um, this is from a Jean-Pierre Panel production. Luigi Alva, Enzo Dara, Teresa Berganza. Great, great cast. It looks like the same cast I had on recording. So here we go. Here is Herman Prey once again singing Figaro in the Barber of Seville. Enjoy. Thank you. 
Self off. That file was short. Sorry about that. Da da. There, there's the last chord. Herman Pry singing for us the Largo Off Octodum from the Barber of Seville by Rossini. And uh, yes, great stuff. What a singer. My goodness. My goodness gracious. Oh, <clears throat> I will definitely bring more of that, uh, that man's voice to this program. Uh, from everybody who I've heard, I've read about working with Herman Pry, he was an absolute hoot to work with. Great sense of humor, easygoing, committed artist, serious when he needed to be, 
knew his business, knew his voice, great actor on stage, by the way. He was uh, very fit and moved well on stage, um, great head of hair, handsome, I mean, handsome in his own way. <laughs> and uh, anyway, great, just fabulous. I'm just always so impressed whenever I hear him and Pry sing, just a great voice and so unique, signature voice, absolutely a signature voice. Okay, so that's Herman Pry for you. We heard the Lager of Octorum and we heard the Earl King by Schubert. Let's go back to some opera potpourri, shall we? Um, this is Olivero di Fabritis conducting the new Philharmonia Orchestra from Puccini's La Rondine, The Swallow, the song of Doretta, Italian soprano singing the role of Magda, Renata Tibaldi, and after that we're going to have just some more great potpourri. Here we go. Sit back. It's getting late. Put your feet up. Close your eyes. That's an order. Enjoy.
Felicity Weathers, one of the great African-American sopranos. Not a household name, but what a great voice, my goodness. Vienna Opera Orchestra, Argio Guadri, the conductor. That was Tuque di Gel Seicinta from Puccini's Turandot. That's right before Liu snatches the dagger from the soldier and ends her life to protect the life of Kalaf. Great stuff. Before that, Calamicreda from La Fanchula del West by Puccini, UC Burling, or Dick Johnson. Alberto Erde conducted the Maggio Musicale Frontino. Before that, Omio Fernando from the Donizetti's La Favorita by what's the, our Leonora in that recording was Fiorenza Cosotto. Richard Bonding conducted it. And to begin that set, Renata Tibaldi, our Magda, singing for us Sogno di Doretta from La Rondine by Puccini, Song of Doretta. The new Philharmonia Orchestra was connected by Olivero di Fabritis, one of the great, great maestros in the Once Upon a Time machine and opera. It was great. I saw one of the last things he ever conducted. It was on public television. It was a, a La Boheme with Pavarotti, part of a Pavarotti voice competition, and all the young artists who won got to sing with Pavarotti and La Boheme. And Olivero de Fabritis was the conductor for that. It was the first time I'd ever heard that name. And he walked into the pit very slowly. He was probably almost 90, in his 80s, certainly, when he did that performance. Found something. I found something. You're going to want to hear it. Remember I was saying what good friends Fritz Wunderlich and Hermann Prey were? They were like brothers. Here's a recording that they made in the studio together. The Pearl Fishers duet, sung in German, which a lot of those guys did back in the day. They sang a lot of stuff in German. And um, I'm not sure what year. I'm guessing probably 63, 64 when this was recorded. Here is Hermann Prey and Fritz Wunderlich, buddies to the end, singing Au fond du Temple Saint from Georges Bizet's The Pearl Fisher. I bet you've never heard it in German. Let's check it out. Here we go. Enjoy. Die Schleier 
All right, that is now my new favorite recording of the Pearl Fishers, even though it wasn't in French. Hermann Prey, Fritz Wunderlich, Georges Bizet's The Pearl Fishers, a fond de temple song, great duet, and uh, need to hear it in German. That was really cool. My name is Sean Bianco, and this is At the Opera. Thank you so much for tuning in. From Sacramento State, this is Capital Public Radio 88.9, KXPR FM in HD Sacramento, 91.7 KXSR Groveland, Sonora, 88.7 KXJS Sutter, and 90.9 KXJZ, HD2 Sacramento. This hour of At the Opera with yours truly made possible by Joyce Ratner, who invites you to join her in supporting Cap Radio's commitment to opera. You hear that? We're committed on the air and in the community by making your contribution today. Hope you enjoyed Verdi's Macbeth from the 1970s this morning from the Metropolitan Opera with Cheryl Mills. That was so good. Next week's feature opera, Verdi's Nabucco. Yes, Nabucco. Monumental opera with Renata Scotto and Matteo Maninguera in the title role. Claudio, no, Ricardo Muti the conductor of that recording next week. All righty. Oh, that was great. Hermann Prey and Fritz Wunderlich. That is now my new favorite recording. Just their voices were, they went, they were so good together. They just, they were perfect. And they sang together, and they were both such good musicians. The, the hallmark of a great musician a great singer, the hallmark of a great singer, is a singer who can stand and deliver all by themselves very, very well, in tune, on pitch, with feeling. But then a truly great singer can stand shoulder to shoulder with another great artist and not sing at them or sing to them, but sing with them and have the two artists make music together. You don't have one voice trying to outsing the other. And in that recording, that was gorgeous. They were singing together. They were always in sync, especially on stage together. They were great together on stage. So someone's going to ask, how did Fritz Wunderlich die? Hermann Prey apparently was there when it happened. They had gone, <coughs> excuse me, they had gone to a, a hunting lodge, I believe in Hamburg, or maybe it was Nuremberg, I can't remember. And uh, it was early in the morning, and Wunderlich had put on his boots, and he headed downstairs. They were going to go out and go hunting, and Hermann Prey, I think, was also staying there. And he didn't tie his shoes. And he tripped over his shoelaces grabbed onto the banister, the banister broke, and Fritz Wunderlich fell to the bottom of the stairs and died. Fate, maybe? I don't know. Who knows? He was... There, a lot has been said... A lot, a lot has been said and, and commented about his death because the world was calling to Fritz Wunderlich, all over the world, especially America. In fact, Fritz Wunderlich was about to make his debut at the Metropolitan Opera as Tamino in The Magic Flute, the role that made him famous in Germany. He was on the cusp of an international career, the likes of which we had never seen. He was, he was already a huge star in Germany, and he would have been a superstar here in America. He was just like two weeks away from his Met debut. 
But those who were close to Fritz Wunderlich later commented that he was very he was very apprehensive about coming to America. <clears throat> I apologize. My goodness, I think I need some water. Um, he was very apprehensive. He was very nervous about coming to America. His family lived in Germany. He loved Germany. He was comfortable in Germany. He didn't need to come over here. He had a career in Europe that was amazing, both on the stage and on television and in the recording studio. He didn't need us. He didn't need the fame of the Metropolitan Opera. But he had signed a contract. His manager encouraged, encouraged him to, so he was committed, and he would have done it had he not died. Fritz Wunderlich had the career that he had. He made the recordings he made, and we are grateful for all of it. So it's interesting how things work out sometimes. In the end, he did get to stay in his beloved Germany. He didn't have to come here. And um, I don't know. The universe is a strange place. And things happen strangely sometimes. All righty. Let's go back to some music. Here is the Soldier's Chorus from Il Trovatore by Verdi, Nicola Gyurov as Fernando, the new Philharmonic Orchestra, Richard Bonning, and after that, ooh, after that it gets, it gets yummy, we're going to hear Carlo Bergonzi sing some Puccini. All right, more opera potpourri. Here you go. Let me make sure I did that right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, number 10. There we go. All right. Enjoy. Thank you. 
Delmonico, oh my goodness, aria, the improviso from Andrea Chenier by Giordano. And before that, we heard the golden calf aria from Gunos Faust, Nikola Gyurov. Maria Chiara before that with the bolero from the Sicilian Vespers by Verdi. Donna non vidi mai from Puccini's Manon Lesco before that. Carlo Bergonzi, oh my goodness, he was so great. The Soldier's Chorus, before that, Nikola Gyurov, London Opera Orchestra from Verdi's Il Trovatore, and to begin that set, I oh no, we also, no, we heard that in the previous set, the Felicity Weathers with the Puccini. I know I have a, a request that came in. Uh, years ago, Luciana Pavarotti put out an album called Mamma with arrangements by Henry Mancini. Let's hear a couple of those songs off that album. It was a great collection of Italian songs. It's late. It's almost midnight. Why not? If you've never heard these uh, Mancini arrangements of Italian songs sung by Pavarotti, you're in for a treat. Here we go. A little more potpourri before midnight. Enjoy. Mamma, son tanto felice perché ritorno da te la mia canzone ti dice che il più bel giorno per me mamma son tanto felice 
vivere lontano perché mamma solo per te la mia canzone vola mamma sarai con me tu non sarai più sola quanto ti voglio bene queste parole d'amore che ti sospira il mio cuore forse non si usano più ma la canzone mia più bella sei tu sei tu la vita e per la vita non ti lascio mai più Sento la mano tua stanca, cerca i miei riccioli tu. Sento la voce e ti manca, la ninna nanna dal tu. Oggi la testa tua bianca, io voglio stringere la cuore. Mamma, solo per te la mia canzone vola. sarai più sola quanto ti voglio bene queste parole d'amore che ti sospira il mio cuore forse non si usano più ma la canzone mia più bella sei tu Per la vita non ti lascio mai più. Quanto ti voglio bene, queste parole d'amore che ti sospira il mio cuore. Forse non si usano più, ma la canzone mia più bella sei tu, sei tu la vita e per la vita non ti lascio mai più. Porta! 
Penso che un sogno così non ritorni mai più. Mi dipingevo le mani e la faccia di blu. Poi d'improvviso venivo dal vento rapito e incominciavo a volare nel cielo infinito. Oh, 
dipinto di blu felice di stare lassù suonava soltanto per me volare che un sogno così non ritorni mai più Thank you. 
This is Sean Bianco. I'm going to let Pavarotti take us out. From Sacramento State, this is Capital Public Radio, 88.9 KXPR-FM in HD Sacramento, 91.7 KXSR, Groveland, Sonora, 88.7 KXJS, Sutter, and 90.9 KXJZ, HD2, Sacramento. This last hour of At the Opera, with yours truly made possible by Joyce Ratner, who invites you to join her in supporting Cap Radio's commitment to opera on the air and in the community. I'm making your contribution today. We've been hearing Pavarotti sing for us Passione, Volare, La Mia Conzone al Vento, and Mamma. I had forgotten that Volare was in that set, <laughs> so that was kind of fun. Anyway, next week I'll be giving you uh, my feature opera for next week, which is Verdi's Nabucco with Matteo Maninguera and Renata Scotto. So I'm going to tonight let Luciano take us out. Like I always say, don't work so hard, don't drive so fast, and as always, keep opera in your heart. Be back next week with Verdi's Nabucco. Honey, put the kettle on. I'm coming home. Take care, folks, and good night.